0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Whether it's floods or bushfires, climate disaster is something Australia is going to have to contend with more and more. But so far, we aren't recovering from disaster. It's one year since the Lismore floods, But the scheme to get people back into homes and to move those homes away from the floodplain is taking far too long. And in the absence of real recovery, what's happening in Lismore is being described as disaster capitalism, with houses on the floodplain being sold to investors looking for a bargain. Today, contributor to the Saturday paper, Royce Komalovs, on what happens when the government doesn't step up and the market steps in. It's Tuesday, March 7. So, Royce, you recently went to Lismore in New South Wales to visit the town one year on from the floods that destroyed so many lives and homes. How would you describe the situation there and and what it was that you encountered when you arrived?
1: Lismore is a really interesting place. It lies at the bottom of a basin. So as you come in over the hill, you can kind of see the town as it's positioned between two rivers. And once you start to drive around some of the residential areas and start to go down some of the side streets and start looking, you can also see how much work has yet to be done to address the situation that many people still find themselves in.
2: This is absolutely something to behold. The, The scale of what I'm seeing down beneath us now is just something else. There's water as far as the eye can see. Now, in this part of Lismore...
1: Over the course of a trip, I was told that it was about 1,700 homes were damaged in the catastrophic flood that swept through Lismore, um, about 1,400 of them severely so.
3: Simply put it, it seems like scenes as if a bomb has gone off. Everywhere you look is just pure destruction, and it's remarkable to think that this was all caused
1: by water, but... As you drive around some of the residential areas, you can see the damage still done to the buildings. You can see the parts of the roof where people have cut their way out of the ceiling to escape rising flood water. You can see where some houses have been swept from their foundations. Flood victims across Lismore in northern New South Wales say they're still desperately waiting for support 10 months after catastrophic floods ripped through the town. Thousands of residents remain in emergency and temporary accommodation. All those scars are still evident. Following
2: the disastrous floods, the state government promised 11 temporary housing sites. Four of them are still under construction. This means some people in this community are still sleeping in their cars.
1: Others. It's now a year on since the flood. And as people are well aware, there's a housing crisis on, which makes it very hard for people to find alternative places to live. So people are doing what they can with whatever they've got around them.
0: Mm. And so what does that actually look like, Royce? The people who you met, where are they living and how are they living?
1: For many people, it's hard to find an alternative place to live. There is, you know, with so many homes damaged and unfit for human habitation, it is hard to find an alternative place. If people are lucky enough to rent, that rent is increasing and very high. If people own their own home, they have bought themselves caravans and um, stuck it beneath their houses where they've got their belongings kind of sprawled out around them. Some people are even living inside the buildings themselves, despite the risks from things like mould or other damage, or even if the building might be open to the elements. There is still a core group of people who have sold up and walked away from all this because a year on after the flood, it's just too much. You can see signs of what's happening in the advertisements real estate agents place in their front windows. One we found had a heading that said, opportunity awaits. It described the property as a flood affected diamond in the rough that is ready for you to take it to the next level. This classic high-set hardwood three-bedroom home has incredible potential for a first home or is an amazing investment, promising solid rental yield for years to come. The price of this property was around $225,000, which compared to the Sydney rental market, um, the housing market is a steal. And if you look around at the other windows, you can find many similar advertisements of people who are just trying to sell up as quickly as they can because they've had enough and they're actively selling it to people who may not otherwise be able to afford a home elsewhere, and who are willing to take a risk by living in the floodplain.
0: Okay. So I thought that the whole idea after the floods was to try and move Lismore away from the worst parts of the flood zone. But you're saying that what's actually happening now, one year on from the floods, is that people are are buying homes and intentionally moving into the flood zone.
1: This is where things get complicated because. The people who are buying these properties aren't to blame for this. The people who are selling aren't to blame for this. They are doing the best they can with what they have around them. You know, people need a place to live and people who have lived through the catastrophe are dealing with incredible amounts of trauma, their mental health is suffering, and they want closure. They want to move on with their lives rather than living in stasis.
3: So where you see that we've actually done really well in our recovery, it's all locally community driven. It's Resilient Lismore. It's the Koori Kitchen. It's
1: one of those people we spoke to was Vicky, a 63-year-old woman whose family have been living on the outskirts of Lismore, um, right near a wetland which floods regularly.
3: So this water was just rushing in and, and rising just unbelievably quickly. I've never seen anything like it all the time I've lived here. I've never
1: seen... For the 26 years she and her family have lived in this place, they've had to build their life around managing flood, but even they were surprised by the scale of what happened in February 2022. When the flood came they were forced to retreat into the roof cavity of their property um, and they were eventually rescued by a neighbor with a boat
3: in the time i've been here which is 26 years we have looked after ourselves and supported each other so we haven't really asked government for anything
1: particularly in the past as we spoke one of the things she mentioned was that there are properties coming up for rent right now in the flood zone and people are coming in, selling the houses on the market to the renters or investors who are coming in and cleaning up those houses and then putting them back on the market.
3: We're just starting up the same process over again. And young people are coming in and buying a lot of those properties because they can't get into the market. So, you know, they're coming in and buying these cheap properties in the hope that it won't happen. And I hope it doesn't too, but
1: it could. The cost of renting elsewhere is going up, which makes Lismore an increasingly attractive prospect for people who are looking to find somewhere to live. It's cheap to live in Lismore. And the reason why it's cheap is that it's now been shown to be at risk of catastrophic flooding. And for many people who haven't lived through that kind of disaster, the concept that that may be dangerous to them and their families, to their belongings, that they might lose their lives or even their livelihood, is abstract. It's a gamble they're willing to take for the opportunity to have a place of their own, to have a place to live. And as Vicky said, there are many properties coming up for rent in the flood zone because people are simply desperate.
3: I don't blame people for selling their houses. People want to move on. They're traumatised. They want to sell the house and get out. And these houses have been sold right on the river.
1: What this means is that with investors moving in to flip these properties and rent them back to people who are desperate for housing, is that there is a sense that The whole cycle may just simply repeat.
0: Okay, so you have people who are pretty desperate who are now selling their homes in flood zones for cheap and you have other quite desperate people who are buying or renting those homes. But there was a plan, wasn't there, for the government to actually buy back the worst affected homes so that essentially they could be taken off the market and people could use those funds to move elsewhere.
1: As far as the buyback scheme goes, I think that this crisis has exposed how the machinery of government has been whittled away over a period of decades. So far, the government has promised that it will buy back some properties of those living in the flood zone. This scheme that it is currently operating has taken a year to set up, and it's now at the point where they're starting to act upon the promises that they've made. But. The key thing is that this big buyback scheme the government has been promising is just simply taking too long. People don't know what is going on, and despite their efforts to ask questions for concrete details around eligibility requirements, around flood zones and the relevant maps, in a way that they can share that with the rest of the community, they've gotten no answers. And so what you find is a growing sense of frustration and confusion about what is taking place.
0: We'll be back in a moment.
1: Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer, and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel.
0: I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very if that's... pro-therapy yeah. yeah, <laughs> if, that's, no. if that's what you're using writing for.
1: I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Royce, can we talk a little bit more about the buyback scheme? Because that was really, I suppose, the centrepiece of the response to the floods, but it sounds like people are struggling to get information and, and many people are going to miss out on being eligible anyway. So tell me what's behind the delays.
1: Well, $700 million has been made available as part of this recovery fund to help reconstruct the Northern Rivers region. And we should be clear that Lismore is not the only town that was affected. There are a whole series of others. Wardell, Woodburn, Broadwater, Corakai, Casino, Mullumbimby have also all been promised a share in this money. And there are a lot of people who have already applied and registered their interest in this program. Now it's a question of whether that will be included. 2,000 people will have the opportunity to have their house physically raised, so raised above the possible height of any floodwaters that may come through. Um, and another 2,000 will have their home retrofit so that they can be prepared for future floods as they come. To date, there have been about 6,200 people who have registered their interest in this program. That figure was made public in January, so it's likely increased since then. What it means is that there will be people that will miss out on this process and there are already people that have walked away because the wait is too long.
3: Nobody knows what's happening. You know, you register and you hear nothing. Just nothing. You can send the corporation an email, you'll get an auto email back saying we'll contact you in 10 days. You never hear from them again.
1: The big issue really is transparency. They don't know what is going on. And the authorities who have been responsible for organising this recovery have been very tight-lipped about the details. The reasons for this are complicated. The Northern Rivers Reconstruction Corporation, which is overseeing the recovery programme, says that it doesn't want to release flood maps. It doesn't want to release eligibility criteria because it doesn't want people to feel like they're going to miss out and so get up and leave prematurely. Another woman I spoke to was Crystal. She's a 39-year-old mother of two living in a caravan beneath the shell of her house. She told us how she loved her home and they just, you know, the family had just bought it and were in the process of renovating when the flood came. I
2: think what this um, event has taught us is that we're not prepared for major catastrophes. You know, the scariest thing that I remember is calling the police and it not answering and like calling S E S and it going to voicemail, like no one was answering. And then I
1: heard they were always told that they were safe there, that the property would never flood. Back. But when the water came in, and they had to evacuate. It was heartbreaking for them. A year on, they find themselves living with a lot of their possessions exposed to the air, and wondering what's going to happen for them next.
2: You kind of got a plan for, but we don't know what we're planning for. We don't know if we're relocating, or we don't know if we're what we're eligible for. So. Yeah, the buyback, yeah, it's been pretty disappointing how that's been rolled
1: out. And so many people find themselves confronted with a situation where the big government project to move them off the floodplain as part of reconstruction is just simply taking too long. And the lack of information is leaving them hopeless.
2: If they had rolled out the buyback thing, maybe people wouldn't be selling, they'd be
0: waiting to see if they got the buyback and
2: then more homes will be relocated out of here.
0: And so what do you think is underpinning that then in terms of, I suppose, how fit for purpose this buyback scheme is at all for the problem that it's really trying to solve here?
1: I don't think the state of New South Wales was prepared for a disaster of this scale and especially on the back of the bushfires that tore along the East Coast. The idea of multiple compounding crises is a lot to process for a lot of people and the ability to respond has just not been there. Before the Northern Rivers Reconstruction Corporation was created, there was another body that had to be disbanded because it was just ineffective. Um, And that was after a significant campaign by residents and their local MP, Janelle Safin, to demand better, to demand that community participation in their recovery effort. And a lot of work has been done to try and involve the community to this day. There have been many information sessions have been held. However, there is still frustration amongst residents who say that these sessions, these talks um, have been very light on detail and very heavy on aspiration. Mm.
0: So it's clear that in Lismore and and the surrounding areas, people are feeling let down by the government response and... And that a kind of hollowed out public service is not really capable of responding in the way that might have been hoped. And at the same time, the markets are perhaps responding in a way that's exacerbating the problem for people. We know that when it comes to natural disasters, it's not going to just be Lismore. When we look to the future, whether that is flooding or bushfires in other towns in Australia, is there a warning here in what's unfolding in Lismore right now?
1: The thing about Lismore and what's taking place now in the aftermath is that really no one should have been surprised by this in one sense because we knew climate change was going to be an issue. We understood that it was going to make weather events more extreme and not just more extreme but also more frequent. The inevitable consequence of climate change means that we are going to have more of these disasters over the long run. According to one international body, there are 48,900 people who have been internally displaced by extreme climate events in Australia, and Australia is a country that doesn't like to think of itself as a place with internally displaced people. When I was in Lismore, we also spoke with the Greens candidate for Lismore at the upcoming state election, Adam Guise. He described the situation as disaster capitalism which is the situation where government either does not respond or takes so long to respond to a crisis that the private sector starts taking advantage of circumstances on the ground. With more people moving into the floodplain who have never experienced anything like what was seen in February, 2022, if it happens again, they're gonna be exposed.
0: Royce, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tonietti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has said that it didn't occur to him to assess the legality of the RoboDebt Scheme that was expanded under his leadership. Turnbull is the latest politician to stand before the RoboDebt Royal Commission, where he was asked about WhatsApp messages between himself and former Minister Alan Tudge. Turnbull said he raised concerns about the scheme in 2017, but ultimately relied on his ministers to comply with the law. And a new bill has been introduced that would put a stop to cushy jobs for federal politicians. The End Jobs for Mates bill was introduced by independent MP Sophie Scamps and follows a string of controversies around appointments to high-powered roles, such as John Barillaro's appointment to a senior UK trade role last year. The bill aims to establish a transparent and independent process for major government appointments. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.